Today we're discussing the 2016 film The Wailing, and Sid DeLeo on Letterboxd says, Fabulous film and all, but among all of the many questions that I have, that one really stands out. Why isn't there a fucking gun in the whole village? I mean, he's a cop for Christ's sake. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a horror podcast obsessed with all the subgenres within. I am one of your hosts, Devon Taylor. Joined with me as always, I got Garrett McDowell. I'm here virtually this week, Devon. We we had a good streak going, uh, but now we have to go back online. So I miss you, buddy. Yeah, we we you know because we, we we had a little shakeup with uh the, with uh the guest this month. Um, we were supposed to have a guest, and we usually do like the back and forth. So yeah, so me and Garrett had like three episodes in a row of like getting a record uh, <laughs> together, which is always nice for me too because it makes the editing so much faster. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we lost out on one guest last week, but we did gain a guest for this week. Uh, I kind of uh slipped her in under uh garrett's nose uh as i was uh doing the scheduling as i kind of usually do anyways these things are always a surprise for garrett um uh, but uh did uh bring back a returning friend of the show uh she is one of the uk correspondents for fangoria welcome back to the show amber t hello thank you so much for having me back again very excited to be back with you two lovely fellows Yes, I'm so excited to have you back. You've been uh, doing so much with Fangoria this year. It's been fantastic. We've been very proud watching you uh, get those cover stories and interviews yes. and such. Like it's been so exciting. It's been wild. It's like I'm fully burnt out and loving it, but I feel like when Christmas comes, I'm just gonna sleep for three weeks. Yeah, all the uh, horror journalists right now, from what I understand, are just completely drowning. <laughs> and it's like only it's just bad. begun, too. And that's the funny part. Like, everyone's just getting going, too. Like, I know. We're, yeah. we're still mid-September. It's not even October yet. Hey, but I, I love that um, spooky season has just gradually gotten longer uh, each year, you know? Like, uh, finally, you know, we were able to wrestle a week away from people. And then we're like, okay, you know what? We're going to make it all of October. And then people were getting whiny about it. And now we're like, yeah. well, guess what? We're going to take September too, fuckers. <laughs> uh, there's so, nothing else good in September, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. There's there's, there's no fun holidays or anything in there. Uh, except it was uh, Bong Joon-ho's birthday last week, which is uh, <gasps> why we're doing uh, South Korean scares this month. Uh, we're Hell of in a segue, it. Devon. Hell of a segue. Thank nice. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, we're in week three right now. And uh, I brought Amber on because I know you have an affinity for J-horror, which you touched on the last time you were on the show. Um, so what's uh, kind of your background with South Korean horror? Um, so I got into South Korean horror probably the same time as I got into Japanese horror, which was when I was in university and very depressed. Um, and then I actually lived in South Korea. I've lived in South Korea like accumulatively if that's even a word for four years so i lived there for two years in about 2010 and then i moved back in 2020 so i've you know i've spent a few years there got to know the culture absolutely loved it and from being there i got to learn more about the cinema things that i films that i might not have known about because a lot of the films still don't make it over 
to the you know quote-unquote western world um but i love it i think in general asian horror and i know that's such a wide broad term um but i do find that's where my passions lie i think there's a there's a combination of like sick black humor and Mm -hmm. bleakness that south korean horror especially nails and yeah just love it big fan yeah, there there is something. Um, you know, they they all do kind of have like yeah, similar shades. Like uh, we see some similar things in J horror, uh, similar things in uh, some Indonesian horror. Indonesia has been uh really coming up these past few yeah. years in the genre world. And uh, yeah, they all do kind of have uh similarities, but uh slight slight distinct differences. Um, is there anything from your experience living there that kind of um uh stands out to you when you watch uh a horror um south korean horror film that is different than other horror films that uh that you've kind of been informed on yeah i mean i guess like obviously i'm not korean first of all so disclaimer there but there's a lot i don't of think the things... accent was fooling anyone on that one <laughs> 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 there's a lot of things like for example i don't know you, you might notice that a lot of south korean films are really like um a cab and fuck the police and which is great which we love because in general South Korea has had a really shitty history of like politicians and police abusing power and they were colonized for so many years so in general South Korean culture is quite um you know they don't take shit and living there that's something I really admired and you see that reflected a lot in South Korean horror and again this this sense of humor that if you're not I remember the first time I watched The Host and mm-hmm. the the scene where they're in the funeral and everyone starts crying and wailing to the point where it's funny. And the first time I saw that, I was like, am I supposed to laugh? And I moved to South Korea. I was like, yeah, that is like the general sense of humor there. It's very dark, which I loved. Yeah, we've mentioned that, I think, in uh, all of the episodes that we've discussed uh, this month, including the host of just kind of the odd uh, kind of pitch black sense of humor. And I think that this film, even more than the host and even more than Train to Busan, it is particularly at play here. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so effective in this movie because of how... It, uh, how far it goes in the other direction too of like how fucked up and dark it can get but how it is able to uh on you know a dime also be really funny uh as well so yeah i i've noticed that as well and it's been a real joy to kind of examine that uh throughout this month yeah it, it, it was funny because like going in i was expecting i was like oh this is gonna be like probably one of the heavier episodes and and to a degree yes but it's like for the heavier it gets is like the further they like reach into their like you know dark comedy uh pocket mm-hmm. there so yeah it is it's been fun to unfold um my initial pick was gonna be um i saw the devil which definitely would have been a heavy Oof. film um uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember any comedy in that one but i'm gonna rewatch it anyways <laughs> and uh see uh, look out for that dark comedy but uh let's go ahead and get into the movie for today's episode The Wailing, released May 12th, 2016. This was uh, directed by Na Hong Jin, who recently directed The Medium, which also uh, has gotten really good reception. Uh, this was uh, written by Hong Jin, and uh, the cinematography was done by Hong Kyung Poi. Maybe you'll be able to help us out with some of these pron- pronunciations that, <laughs> we, uh, fumble, that we fumble here. Uh, Hong Kyung Poi, um, who did uh, the cinematography for Snowpiercer, Burning, and Parasite. 
um, along with a few of Bong Joon-ho, Bong Joon-ho's other films. Uh, the score done here by Zhang Young-ju and uh, Dao Panin. And this was edited by Kim Sun-min. Uh, at the box office, this did uh, $51.3 million worldwide against an $8 million budget. Uh, Garrett, how much uh, do you think of that uh, came from the U.S.? I've been fucking this up this entire month long, so I'm going to say uh, like $1.8 million. Nope, we didn't even, uh, we didn't, America couldn't even contribute a million dollars to oh, the, the box office here. God, we suck. Uh, only uh, only did seven hundred and eighty six thousand uh, here in the U.S. Um, but again, this was uh, kind of popularized over here uh, via Netflix, and I think it uh, was even on Shutter for a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, one of the highest Rotten Tomato scores that we've uh, done here, ninety nine percent on eighty six reviews. Uh, I don't think we've done one with a hundred, did we? Garrett, I can't think. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't think believe we so. But this is uh, certainly up there, also being one of the longest uh, films that we've discussed here, not including Salem's Lot, which I think is the the, the king right now. But it's also kind of cheating. <laughs> yes, that that is uh, what I tweeted about the other day. That uh, this is yeah officially the longest film that we've done. Salem's Lot is uh, the TV miniseries thingy, right. you know, so kind of doesn't count. Um, but uh, you know, the, we got some hefty boys around here. Um, Amber, what do you think uh, the letterbox average rating is right now for the whaling out of five? Oh man, um, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna say four point eight. I've got a really good feeling. I don't know anyone who doesn't like this film. So we haven't quite seen anything that high from the letterbox average rating, oh, uh, quite yet. Um, because uh, I guess. Uh, when you kind of think about it, that that would be a tough one to get up there. But um, anytime it's above the 4.0 uh, mark, we're like, that's that's pretty nice. You know, 80 percent, uh, you know, general mm-hmm, uh, consensus mm-hmm. here. So, uh, yeah. So it is a 4.0 even. Nice. Right now. Um, but yeah, so um, it, I, I picked this film, but um, I did uh, recruit Amber to come on here. So I want to get your feelings on uh, this film first. Um, I was. um. Uh, I'm assuming this wasn't your first time seeing it. So, uh, what was uh, when did you see it for the first time, and then how do you feel about this uh, recent rewatch? Um, I think I saw it for the first time when I moved back to South Korea, which was just before COVID hit. So, when was that? Uh, that would have been 2020. 2020, yeah. I th- I moved back to Korea in like January 2020, and I had obviously I had known it floating around for a while but for some reason i had never gotten around to it so i did watch it again in south korea and i don't know if that enhanced the feeling of it or Mm -hmm. you know whatever just being in the country and the culture where it's based and having kind of like a somewhat of a knowledge of what was going on um with the the shamanism and the religious side of things but it blew me away it terrified me um in a way that i'm not i'm not easily scared but this film like stuck with me for a while and it still does um and yeah just revisiting it every time i revisit it even though it is almost like three hours long i'm never bored um because even if you've seen it like three or four times it's still so brutal and that ending still hurts every time um Mm -hmm. i feel like i could never i could never get bored of it i just like even though it's horrible like I want to watch it over and over again. Yeah, no, and Garrett, what about you? Had you uh, seen this before? 
I certainly had. I actually owned this movie before I even watched it just because I had heard such good things about it. And I, I found the Blu-ray for pretty cheap, ended up uh, buying it and watching it. And I really didn't uh, – I, I wasn't as blown away by the film as uh, so many others were. I think it was a, a mix of a few things. I think it was expectations were through the roof as this being like such a scary, upsetting film where most of this movie is not really paced in a uh, sort of a Western – sort of uh, uh it, it's not it, it's such a gradual build to this kind of crescendo whereas uh american films are just paced pretty differently so i think it, it honestly just kind of like lost me with some of its pace and its length and i think i honestly kind of checked out of the film a bit too early i don't know if i was just not in the right headspace not in the right mood something like that but this go around Night and day. Uh, really, really enjoyed this rewatched. Um, a lot of the things that bugged me the first go around uh, did not so at all. I think it's certainly knowing kind of what we're leading to, being able to appreciate some of the foreshadowing and some of these uh, little moments that build to such a crescendo, like I mentioned before. Um, but yeah, this this rewatch uh, was just a uh, complete flip, like a 180 for me, uh, which I think is just a testament to like, kind of what your mindset can be going into a film, the environment in which you watch it in, and just how even your mood can change the way that you that you watch a film. So I'm really glad to have found this newfound appreciation for the film because I remember really wanting to like it the first go around, but it just wasn't quite clicking for me. So I'm really glad to report that it uh, actually clicked very well with me this time. Yeah, it, this was a, uh, a first-time watch for me, um, as were all the films from this month, which has been super exciting and fun. And uh, and this one, yeah, I definitely, it's been, this is, like, one that is, like, infamously sat on my watch list for, like, literally six years. Like, it's yeah. it's always been there. I just have, you know, for whatever reason, and it's, you know, obviously, like, when you're trying to plan out your day and you have a two-and-a-half-hour movie, where do you slip that in, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. and, and again, like, I just, for some reason, I thought this was, like, over, like, going to be, like, overwhelmingly sad. So I was like, you know, so I like kind of wanted to be like, you know, let me make sure I'm emotionally in the right place to watch this at some point. Right. Um, but now, uh, you know, go ahead and doing it. And, um, you know, in it wasn't the emotion and the um, and like the scariness that really got me. It was kind of the way that um, it, this mystery is drawn out to like a comical degree almost uh, in the way that it like kind of tries to interweave. Um, so many different things, uh, which we'll definitely get into. We'll have a lot to talk about with the subgenres. And, um, you know, this film is gorgeous, uh, very nice to look at, scores great. Um, and, you know, for the length, I'll say, because um, I, I've said it, you you guys have heard me say it here on the pod before, I, I'm a more movie guy. Like, I'm, I have been on record being like, oh, I wish there was more, I wish this movie was longer. And typically people uh, very much want short movies. Um, so, so I do enjoy long movies. Um, however, it does, uh, like Garrett said, have to be kind of justified. And though on one hand, I do enjoy the link to really, um, you know, like really, uh, learn about this, uh, this very small village, like kind of the way that they're just kind of everyday lives are the way that they interact with each other, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and things like that. So I'm glad we had the link for those kind of things, but then I still think there are like a lot of things as like a lot of just like scenes could be like cut shorter and then like uh certain certain uh, mystery angles especially when we get to the end um i felt a little unsatisfied um but however i did enjoy the way that the movie was kind of gripping me um throughout as i was doing it so you know kind of i guess 
Uh, it's about the about the journey, not the destination type deal. But at the same time, uh, if the destination is un- unsatisfying, it's still going to be unsatisfying to a degree. So um, the the end did kind of uh, did kind of lose me a little bit. However, um, I enjoyed uh watching it it didn't feel long but at the same time i was like ah, i don't think it needed to be this long and then there was even um an ex- like a, a deleted scene that they cut off at the end that was supposed to be uh, tagged onto the film so it would have been even longer um it, so so yeah so i i enjoyed it i did wouldn't say i loved it i also this is uh kind of where it sucks that um, a lot of times I watch, you know, these movies like a little bit before we record. Um, kind of wish I would have watched it yesterday so I could kind of think on it a little, a little bit more because I am a mm-hmm. little confused by the ending. But that's what we do the pod for. I'm a, we're going to talk it out. We're going to figure it all out together. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm ready um, to dive further in. Uh, if you guys haven't seen the movie, uh, go check it out. It's on Prime right now. Um, and uh, yeah, because we're going to spoil the whole thing. Amber, are you ready to give us a uh, 60 second synopsis? Yes, I can read it, right? Yes, I'm allowed of to read it. Okay. Of course you can. You do the you do this however you feel. All okay. Right. Here you All go right. in three, two, one, go. Okay. The Wailing follows a police officer and father, Jong Hu, in the small Korean mountain village of Goksung, which is also the Korean title of the film. Um, and Jong Hu is trying to figure out the connection between the arrival of a mysterious Japanese stranger, played by Jun Kunimura, and a series of grisly familial murders, which they think might be drug related, might be insanity related. Um, <coughs> excuse me. After his young daughter Hyo Jin begins to show signs of demonic possession, um, Jong Hu enlists the help of a Korean shaman. Um, by the name of Il Guang to perform a ritualistic exorcism on her, which may or may not have the intended outcome. All righty, with 15 seconds to spare. Nice. Nice. Uh, for, for a uh, long movie, not having to use the whole thing. And your uh, Korean name pronunciations are way better than Devon's <laughs> throughout this entire month. So. <laughs> you know, what, what I've noticed is I think we think too much about it. Because when you yeah. look at it, they're not super complicated, but I think we're thinking too much about it. Like Amber just, just gotta, said, it, you just got to commit, throw it barrel through you it. Just you gotta, know? just got to do it. <laughs> you it just got to say it. And uh, and before we get into subgenres, one thing I did want to point out that uh, we kind of haven't mentioned um, is uh, the differences in titles um, whenever mm-hmm. you kind of have these. And I find it interesting that, you know, uh, the original title, you know, Gak Sung, the name of the town uh makes sense like because this movie really is about this village it's about this community and the way that these events affect everyone in it and how it has a ripple effect you know throughout the the community and yeah it might be a simpler uh title and i infamously don't like simple titles however it being the name of the village um actually just like uh i think would have added something to it so um do either of you guys have opinions on the way that they kind of then um you know we kind of choose different names for them uh, i mean i'm sure the director has input but like you know the wailing is uh, obviously such like an american uh horror title for this film well, goksung actually just actually <laughs> like pushing my proverbial glasses up my nose goksung translates in korean to like a whale um mm, even though it okay. is the name of the town a lot of words in Korean have like different meanings. So, like the word um, moon, for example, means snow, but it also means um, eye. Um, so, 
Goksong does mean the name of the village, but it also does mean whaling. So that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, the whaling, obviously, to like a Western audience, I don't think they would necessarily go to see a film called Goksong because that mm -hmm. doesn't mean anything to people who don't speak Korean. But, you know, the whaling is a really, you know, it, it sets the film up. Uh, to me, I think it's really like ominous and terrifying because mm -hmm. yeah. it, it evokes this like this true devastating sadness of you know where does this come from and it's terrifying at the same time so i kind of like the the double entendre there yeah i i really do like uh whether it does have the double meaning or not i do like kind of the ominous tone that it gives it as well because especially when you know paired with the way that the film ends and and the performances too right of like the uh, complete mm -hmm. sorrow and just these harrowing almost like completely takes over your entire body and like physically you know manifests and to like the the heavy crying that is happening at the end of this movie um i think certainly warrants a title that is as dramatic and does evoke those kind of feelings and i also think that there is a sense of mystery to the title as well if you have never seen the film you're like what does that mean like the, the you know it's a, it's an odd it is an odd kind of title and then to actually see the film i think it just makes it all the more um disturbing and upsetting yeah mm -hmm. I, I love the layers that like you're watching the film and you're like waiting to hear the titular wailing like you yeah. think it's gonna be like a ghost thing it's like no it's the wailing of this community suffering that's that's mm -hmm. the wailing that you're just hearing throughout the entire film uh yeah, yeah so very upsetting in that way um but uh let's uh talk about some of the subgenres here because uh there's a lot of them going on here um you know we do obviously kind of have um some possession ghost demon stuff going on and they're kind of loosey-goosey with it a little bit um you know because it's they're not really i mean th this is tied to religion in a way because obviously like we have a shaman character and a part of it is questioning um mm -hmm. you know the validity of this guy um and, and which was casted phenomenally like this guy i i really like could not get a, a pin on him the whole movie of like is he full of shit or not i, I really don't know um yeah. you know so he did kind of uh was perfect for that but um but it's still not like super tied to religion it's kind of still more um this uh you know like uh, trying to just understand like it like this is like some this like just very unknown and like things that they like can't explain and like the the frustration that everybody has of like just like feeling helpless and not knowing uh, is very interesting in the way that it's like is it is the is this a cause of a demon is this the cause of a ghost is that person even a, actually a ghost they're got human flesh does a ghost need human flesh you know all these kind of uh, interesting things to like kind of keep you guessing and which uh adds into the the mystery angle uh amber what uh are some of the subgenres that really work for you in this film i like um the folk horror aspect of it um i guess in a lot of folk horrors we kind of get these isolated small towns you know like the wicker man for example um where an outsider in this case would be the japanese man um comes in and is either attacked by the community or attacks the community um and then of course you do have a lot of ritual and traditional aspects of this film that lean into folk horror as well and then it also goes into zombie as well yeah. um <laughs> there's a whole lot going on in this film um that again i think if you if you 
you know, if you just saw the title, you would probably think, oh, that sounds like a ghostly movie, but it's it's not. It's bloody, it's gory. There's even some like body horror um, with the, the lesions that show up on the infected people's bodies in the coughing mm-hmm. up blood. Um, yeah, it just it goes everywhere. Yeah, and I think with a runtime as long as it is, that seems almost like a necessity. Like you have to, mm-hmm. you have to cram all of this stuff into uh, some sort of runtime. And I'm su- honestly surprised that this movie is not even longer, given like everything that it attempts to kind of chew on here. Um, I think with me in the, it's kind of tackling of religious ideas. There is this real clashing happening here uh, between this idea of like faith and actions and like conviction related to actions and the 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 fear that can come from the unknown right that they don't Mm. know the the how genuine these people are in these like conflicting alliances there's such a really tense scene in this film towards the uh like just before kind of the climax of this movie where we see this, you know, cutting back, like literally, you know, uh, cutting between these characters that represent these ideas and cutting between good and evil. And the audience is kind of stuck right where the character is, which is right in the middle of being like, you know, having this what do you do kind of with the trolley track sort of uh, uh, problem here. It's just it's it's really juggling a lot of different ideas here i think sometimes it could be a bit too much <laughs> i think some of the body horror stuff and some of the zombie stuff uh, uh mixed with some of the religious and parental and cultural because there's also <laughs> like a korean and japanese angle here too it's mm-hmm. just like it really is like just one of those kitchen sink movies and i think some things get left out ironically that i think are a bit more important especially in regards to some of these characters and how they interact with one another uh the the wife uh in the film i think maybe and the the mom probably could have been given a bit more time with her um but i think it's 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 just a whole lot that i think a lot of it sticks but some of it unfortunately i feel doesn't and it maybe is just a you know it's two and a half hours already there's only so much that we can really do but i think maybe some things maybe could have been pruned a bit here and there yeah, I mean, I think I think having so many different subgenres going on helps it flow a little bit uh, to so that way the runtime doesn't like kind of weigh on you to where you're kind of uh, going back and forth between them. And it's like okay, like if you know a certain section's not working for you, then it's like okay, uh, you're not into the the mystery parental stuff. Okay, let's uh, shift back to the body horror, oh, and then like okay, now let's shift back to the ghost story, the folklore kind of stuff. And um, you guys know me. I love uh, me some small town drama. And I think that is uh, very key to the film of like, you know, how uh, information is passed around and the way that it's uh, everyone's kind of responding to this situation of, uh, you know, like in, you know, Amber called out that, you know, a lot of the films are a cab and like this one being like, you know, calling out the incompetence of the police like. They literally get nothing done in this entire movie. They do not one single thing. Um, you know, he, he's he's often sitting just the, watching the bonds, stuff. Let's on be his fair; phone. they do do one thing. They kill that dog. You know, goddamn, <laughs> that is the one thing that they do in this movie. Like, goddamn, and it, I mean, and they like he's often just like shown just on his phone. Uh, you know, and like he and he's just like asking townspeople rumors rather than just, uh, I don't know, go do some investigating. Uh, why don't you uh, go find a Japanese translator to maybe uh, expedite things here, you know, like or I don't know, maybe, um, you know, how Garrett also mentioned that 
Um, the women don't really have a lot to do in this film. Like, I mean, the mother-in-law doesn't even have a name. Um, and then it's like <laughs> the lesson at the very end of the movie is, hey, why don't you listen to the woman for once? <laughs> uh, Trust <maybe."> women. <laughs> you know, so um, it, it's very fascinating. Yeah, the, the kind of different things that it's juggling. And yeah, some some work better than others. Um, but I think there's enough to chew on to, again, like you're not, you're not going to get bored with this film, I don't think. Um, you know, mileage may vary for some. Um, but uh, let's get into the characters here. Um, we got another uh, another bad dad, but he's not as bad of a dad as the rest of them. Um, uh, that at least the two that we've talked about so far. Um, he mm-hmm. he's still he's more a, just a kind of overall kind of shitty guy. Is uh you know he doesn't he he's just kind of aloof with his family, but he's not shitty necessarily. Like I I, I think he cares about them. Really, is just a shitty policeman. Um, and I think with uh Jean Gu that is interesting because again in a lot of American films, uh, how many of our films is it like, oh, it's uh, the the town sheriff and he's going to rally the town and we're all going to get behind the sheriff and he's going to protect us and save the day. You know, how many films do we watch do that where this is like, no, this guy is just making it worse for everyone in town. He's doing nothing and just like everything is, you know, like falling apart and like and even at the end of the film, whenever he's like, you know, holding his uh, dead daughter and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, daddy's a policeman. He's he's got you. And then like that's like him, like his reassurance, you know. Um, so so I find Zhang uh, Yu very interesting here. Um, Amber, what do you think about uh, uh, our bad, bad dad and bad cop? Bad, <laughs> bad dad. Bad, bad cop I... dad feel like this is part of the reason why i really like and love korean cinema and korean horror is because no or very few characters are ever like black and white like everything's very nuanced there's not this sense of this person's good and this person's bad that you get in a lot of like western movies like jong hu is a shitty police officer he's lazy he can't be bothered he's not the best dad but he's also not the worst dad you know he obviously cares for hyojin and you know his wife even though he can't sexually satisfy her he does try his best bless him you know he's trying he just needs some herbal supplements exactly exactly so he's like he's a hero that you know he's just an everyman he's just like an average guy um that we do really want to root for but at the same time we end up screaming at the tv or wherever we're watching it because he makes so many wrong choices and he just won't listen to people and he's you know he's he's working off of gossip and he's not trusting the people that he should trust and that's why i like him but it's also why i hate him because he drives me crazy but at the end you know i feel terrible for him because it's pretty much all his own fault um so i do feel bad for him but also i don't i don't know yeah i don't think that he's painted to be this like piece of shit guy i no. think that he is certainly aloof and is he's a this guy that lazy... could be trying more you know yeah mm-hmm. well i you know can't we all uh but yeah <laughs> he is just this kind of aloof absent-minded pretty lazy cop who also is a cop in this small town there's like fucking three of them and they spend their shift like washing the car you know so he's kind of painted as, as being kind of this dumbass mm-hmm. but i think what's really compelling in, uh, is singing this transformation of this sort of bumbling uh, uh, beat cop 
to being this completely engrossed investigator. I mean, I, I, I think of the scene at the beginning of the movie where he's uh, the, the, the uh, infected villagers like attack him uh, and he, he gets ordered to like kind of take care of it. He goes over there. The other, the creature, the thing just kind of yells at him and then he's like, Hey, go, you know, <laughs> go, go do something <laughs> about that. He's just like telling other people to do what he was supposed to do, you know, cutting to the end of the film where he, tries to murder someone you know like he is completely entrapped and engrossed in this mystery becomes because it becomes personal for him that he has this you know personal connection so i think that that's one of the highlights of the film and uh the the actor that portrays him uh i'm probably gonna bubble it but quack do one sure try my best um Sounds he does good. a terrific job uh but he he really i think is able to portray this this really transformative kind of experience of this guy again from him starting as kind of uh, this bumbling idiot to being someone who is just completely shattered and broken because of, you know, the circumstances. Yeah, I think I think what's the most upsetting part about his arc is, yeah, he does like start to get together and he gets motivated because he does love his daughter and like he, you know, he's seeing her in pain. He can't figure out what is happening. And then once it, he sees that's connected to, you know, the stuff that's going on in the village, like, yeah, he does like try to like get it together and like really. But then by that point, it's kind of too late whenever he is like really trying and then he goes too far because now because it is personal for him he's like kind of blinded at the same time so he goes from he goes from not doing enough to doing way too much mm-hmm. and and that's what's like the most upsetting about his undoing in this because like yeah you're like you're watching him and you're just like uh he, he frustrates you but you are wanting him to succeed you know he isn't um a piece of shit that like you're you're wanting to see fall like we want you know, we're like i know you got it in you bud like just like get just get it together and like you know you're, you're clever you you're you're you you make observations like you, you got skills man just put just you know get it together get the motivation um well yeah so so i do relate to him in that way well i think his sort of spinelessness is pretty key to not just like his transformation but also the plot of the film is that the entire film he's just kind of being directed in a uh uh for his next move what he's going to do next about this and everybody is just kind of pulling at the threads so to speak that even the 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 pivotal choice that he has has to make in this movie is like who to listen to and who to believe uh but because he is so kind of spineless for a lack of better words that ends up you know resulting in the death of his family which is like kind of adds to the tragedy of it all yeah and it's it's interesting because he's following you know um you know obviously he like kind of is trying to rely on himself but like kind of can't so then like um you know that's when people are like okay we'll bring a deacon in bring a shaman in and like first he brings the deacon in and the deacon is very like kind of quiet and reserved and like a little more to himself and but you know but you can tell he um kind of has like he's he's trying to understand like a little bit what's happening and and um but you know i think Zhang yu is uh frustrated by him because he's like you know he doesn't help him with like the translations uh when they like go to confront the stranger and then he's like yeah uh in the first half he's really not adding much to the film like i i said i, I put it in my notes i was like man this deacon is like kind of useless because he he does kind of show up and like and just like eh, yeah uh, uh, i don't know yeah i mean maybe i don't know and it, so so Zhang yu is like kind of um you know frustrated by him so then whenever they bring the shaman in il guang and he comes in just fucking guns a blazing bossing people around doing loud ass rituals and like you know and then he's like he's like 
I mean, I don't know if um, I trust him either, but like, hey, I don't know. He's at least doing something like I can. You know, and so it's like it's interesting him like kind of struggling between those. But then also whenever he really should just be like, you know, following following his own gut. But then like, you know, listening uh, at certain points versus, um, you know, like when we see at the you know, we see at multiple times where somebody will tell him, hey, don't do this very specific thing no matter what. Don't do it. Don't mm-hmm. stop the ritual no matter what happens to your dog. Like, don't do this. Don't, don't go to that crime scene. Then he's just like, I'm going to do it. And then he does it, <laughs> you know, and like, and then that's the end of the film, too. She's like, she's like, wait till the three cries of the rooster. And then he's just like, and then he <laughs> makes it two cries in and just like can't, you know, he can't help himself. Um, so, so it's like, yeah, who should he listen to? Should he listen to these guys? Should he listen to his guy? He really can't, you know, trust anything and, and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of told, I always wonder as well, and this is maybe something I'm projecting, but I always wonder if obviously this film goes into a lot of like Christianity versus traditional Korean folklore and traditional Korean shamanism. Mm-hmm. And Na Hongjin is actually a Christian, but like many Koreans, he still he still holds on to these older kind of Buddhist rituals. And for various reasons, a lot of Koreans are Christian. Um, but again, they do hold on to these ancient Buddhist rituals. So I always wonder if Na Hongjin maybe there's like some conflict between his his cultural faith and his religious faith that we also see in Jong Hu. Like he doesn't know who to believe. Does he believe? the Christian deacon or does he believe um Il Guang the shaman like who's telling the truth here and I was that's why I think like that pivotal end scene is always like a test of faith and yeah I wonder I may be completely projecting but I wonder if any of it comes down to that you know conflict of faith that Na Hongjin might have yeah I mean I think that the movie plays with that in kind of through the lens of just cultural uh, the, these kind of cultural blendings that's happening uh, in, in, in Korea. And I think the, I mean, let's be honest, the fact that the literal devil is a Japanese man, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's like, subtle, it's, it's it? pretty fucking on the nose, man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I I think the film does have a lot to say about that. And for those of you who don't know, like uh, Japan occupied South Korea for uh, a lot of the early 20th century. And I think that the film is kind of an examination on a lot of the cultures that are kind of in this melting pot of this sort of traditional small town Korean values, something similar that I think um, Memories of a, a Murder also kind of examines too, and kind of the complexity of the outside world, you know, sort of uh, caving the walls down on this village. I, I love the, the, it's the poster of the film. There's also a lot of shots in the movie of kind of the front gate of this village sort of being like this gateway uh, to mm-hmm. this like smaller town of different values where everybody kind of knows each other. But this evil sort of descends down upon it. And I think that the film has a lot of fun uh, kind of throwing in various uh, uh, kind of folklore imagery, um, as well as a lot of religious metaphors in it. Uh, I think one of my favorite examples of is the... um, the scene where uh, I think she's referred to as the white woman, uh, but when she's like 
throwing rocks at him, which obviously is, I think, uh, like a biblical, you know, uh, mm-hmm. or sort of metaphor there of, you know, casting uh, a stone, you know, and, you know, only uh, only those who are supposed to throw stones are those who have not sinned. Of course, everybody sinned, so nobody's supposed to throw stones. So that kind of, um, uh, like, biblical imagery and metaphors i think the film uh, really is creative about the way that it introduces these elements in the film which i just kind of contribute to this sort of melting pot of cultures that the film is kind of examining yeah it's like the film for really does like kind of in the first half uh really wants you to feel bad for the the japanese stranger of being like oh like poor japanese guy just like of course like they're gonna assume it's him and all these things, you know, because he's in this uh, South Korean village and he's like the outsider. And uh, yeah. and the and the film, uh, you know, kind of ties that in, like with Amber said, with like a test of faith at the end, where it's like, you know, this whole thing like is like building up, building up, and like it's all about like, yes, this it it's all because of the stranger. It's all tied to him. All these things are happening. Like it, this is the guy. And then like at the end of the film, it's like, wait, 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 is he the guy? And then it's like, no, 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 he is the guy. And it's like, so like, <laughs> hey, like, you know, like, you know, like, like the third, the last like 20 minutes is like literally this like whole like one last second thought like gotcha to be like, you know, like are, how true do you like stick to your guts like or stick to your beliefs uh, in mm-hmm. these certain situations or also like, you know, uh, not asking the right questions. Like the whole thing is like everybody's like, well, is he a ghost or is he not a ghost? So it's like, well, no, everybody can see him. Everybody like is interacting with him. He has a physical being. Um, and it's like they were asking, oh, is he something else? Is he, you know, like not just is he a ghost? Is he, like, is he more than that? Um, because, you know, we're kind of um, we, we do know that he is connected. Like uh, all the evidence is there. It's telling you in the face. And then like so with at the very end. Where it's like, you know, like kind of making you second guess it like one more time. Like, is she telling the truth or is it him? Um, and then like, but then you like kind of find out that um, uh, the shaman is in on it. But the shaman like kind of tells them it at, at one point because the, the film wants you to think like, oh, why is this happening? Because you've sinned. And he's like, well, that doesn't make sense because like it was already happening before I got involved. And then so it's like... um people trying to figure out like why them why this thing um and the mm-hmm. shaman's like there isn't a reason the this demon is fishing and he's mm-hmm. gonna just catch whatever whoever uh gets affected by this and like then that's what it you know they're kind of holding you to at the end of the day but it's still tearing these people apart emotionally because they're human they are gonna question you know their uh their um part in all of this you know when it's just like no it, it still isn't really you at the end of the day which mm-hmm. sucks it's like this uh, inevitability yeah, that, and that's the most terrifying thing as well, I think, especially from like a Western Christian point of view, we're so conditioned. And in our horror movies as well, you know, we think, why is this person being attacked by a demon? And there's always a reason. They've always done something wrong that they're atoning for. Um, and, you know, that goes through to like Christian mythology and like, you know, atoning for your sins and going to heaven if you're a good person. But in this film... They just are picked because that's the shitty reality and nature of evil is that it actually doesn't give a shit what you do or what you don't do. If it wants you, it's going to kill you. Yeah, I think uh, kind of uh, piggybacking off of what you guys are saying, I, I, I think the, the film kind of plants these clues, like Devon was saying, of like kind of kind of pointing the audience to this this eventual conclusion that we have here. I think well, another example of that is the, the the Japanese man is collecting kind of 
mostly just shoes, which I didn't know this, but is a in like a Korean culture is kind of associated in folklore with evoking like harm or death whereas the white woman takes things of mostly from like your upper body like nail clippings and hair and all of these other things and i think yeah the film is able to plant these seeds throughout a lot of the the movie which although point you in a direction also don't give you all of the answers which i think does uh kind of reward on a rewatch because it was funny when devon was like giving his like sort of opening salvo of the movie i was like oh if we would have done this episode the first time i watched the movie i would have <laughs> been exactly where devon was <laughs> but now on a second uh rewatch i feel like i have been able to appreciate some of those clues and some of those details uh, even more yeah, I definitely, um, you know, suffered because I'm trying to take notes, so I'm, I'm going to miss some things, and I definitely mm-hmm. am excited to go back and watch this. I definitely will watch it again because I kind of want to uh, see see some more of these clues and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but again, I, I like um, the, the different ways that the whole film is, like, uh, just, like, kind of making you question everything. Like, you're, you're eventually, you're falling into the state that, like, they're in as they're, like, kind of... Um, again, like there's this, uh, there's just like this helplessness uh, that everyone uh, is like kind of feeling throughout the film that really affects me of like just like watching these people just like it and yeah. it, and, it, and it keeps happening mm-hmm. the exact same way too. So it's like you're and so it's like you already know the pattern, you know the trend, and it's like you know it's gonna happen, and then it's just like boom, it happens to another family, you know, and mm-hmm. but everyone is still you know again depending on who it happens to you're then like they're blinded to certain details themselves because it's like oh when it's somebody's homie that they work with then it's like oh like we're we're angry and we're gonna like fucking you know like you know like uh, you know get weapons and like just like go out on like a death mission when you're it's like hey like you 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 gotta know like if you're gonna do this what are you gonna find boom your homie's a zombie and now he's trying to eat you you know so it's like (laughs) uh you know when you when they have these personal connections to these things and it's like again because this is such a small village everyone's connected everyone mm-hmm. knows who everyone is you know so it really affects everyone and kind of uh keeps having this like chain reaction effect uh and and you know and the way that this uh demon kind of operates like you know a literal infection and we see that with like the the rash and everything and mm-hmm. uh and the look of it which uh yeah is really gnarly uh, I hate I hate like pussy boils. Um, I I you know I don't enjoy popping pimples. I mean I do it, but I'm not one know. of those people that like gets like really into it or anything. So it's like I pussy boils. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just watching this movie, like I want to squeeze it. Give me that. <laughs> Give me that boil. Just like oh, why haven't you popped that yet? Uh, I'm oh, a, I'm a scab yeah. picker. Give me a hot I'll say that. I'll go to town on that. I I am a scab picker, so like for the for the ones that like like get like burnt up in this, oh man, that would be a, I I would be peeling myself raw. Uh, so yeah, they I, I like the different uh, looks that we like kind of get that they like have this like kind of like charred look to them as well on top of like this mm. like kind of rash and like um, and then the way that it just like kind of it, it zombifies them, but then it also like doesn't last very long, and then they will eventually just like fucking you know like they just convulse themselves to death and then like start coughing up blood so it's like they zombify they're temporary zombies and then but they do expire which is interesting i don't think uh i can't really think of any zombie films that have done something like that well, where it's like i i I did want to ask what you guys do think about the zombie aspect, because I I think it's not necessarily a a make or break, but I do think it is one of those ingredients that I was talking about that might make this pot kind of boil over. So I'm curious, uh, Amber, what do you think Mm. about some of the zombie aspects? 
Yeah, I have to say, I'm not hugely in love with zombies as a thing. They don't scare me. And mm-hmm. I think the, the scenes in this film that do scare me are the slow scenes. You know, the scene with the Japanese man, like, crawling over the rock rather than the scene where yeah. he's running and like that. Um, I do love the gore and, you know, the tearing of the face flesh and that. But, yeah, I feel... I do feel like the the fast, chaotic, gory zombie kind of takes a little bit away from the slow, mysterious unraveling, which yeah. I personally vibe with a lot more. Yeah, I think uh, I am a kind of in a similar position. I'm curious what Devon thinks. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys heard me a, a couple of weeks ago. I am also not a zombie person, really. And uh, it's interesting because, I mean, I guess I don't think of them. I mean, I, I, they are kind of zombie-esque, but it's like, uh, me and Gary, we've talked before, like how, like, where do you go from possession to zombie? Um, and this film kind of does both, like, because, like, when you get infected with, like, the, like, the, the bad vibes, really, like, I don't even know how you truly get infected, but I mean, some people, it, like, happens when they get bit, but then other people get bit and nothing happens. So it's like, mm-hmm. you truly just, like, get infected by the, the bad aura that the, the devil's putting out. And then it's like, um because i found the the stuff that was fun is like when they're kind of more possessed they're like possessed by this like bad energy and then like Mm -hmm. uh whenever we have uh uh yoijin um just like roasting her dad all the time uh whenever she's uh when she's all sassy when she's possessed that stuff's fun um i i could have i could have done with more of that with uh you know these this bad energy like playing more with the emotions mm. of the people in the village which it does do it does like heavily emotionally manipulate these uh people um mm-hmm. and which is like uh which is like the most upsetting part about it um so it's like yeah i i was into that but then yeah the the film kind of takes them uh in stages it goes from like kind of the more possessed angle and then it turns them into zombies and then they expire so um uh, you know again just because of that like little detail i think it's a interesting um but way but i feel like really i think it, uh they're kind of mainly here to like kind of you know spice the film up a little bit for like those like kind of times when you're feeling a little uh feeling a lull and you're feeling a little sleepy and that's like okay let's have uh somebody get attacked and like let's have a zombie wig out and like let's have somebody vomit up a bunch of blood you know which i'm never gonna uh, be upset about somebody vomiting up blood you know i'll always take it kind of exactly agree with with both of you guys that I do feel like the zombies are kind of just added to be add a little bit of zhuzh, you know, a little mm-hmm. spice to the film, but it it's it sucks that they don't really they're not really too much more than that. You know, to me it just becomes obvious that that's kind of what they're doing is like, well, the movie's two and a half hours long. We can't have it just people going, you know, mm-hmm. from one location and talking to going to the next location and talking. We have to add something. I just don't know if it, it it is like it does seem like a, a a bit too much. I'm curious if, you know, I I love when they arrive at the crime scene and there's just that guy sitting on the porch yes. with the eyes glazed over yeah. with all the the you know that's enough. I don't need him yeah. to like wake up and start chasing the guy. Like the, mm-hmm. just them sitting there and seeing what this is doing and, and affecting them physiologically as well mm-hmm. as like uh, mentally. I think is is really creepy. But the the zombie attacks and everything. I feel should have been or maybe even are in the movie more for like a comedic purpose of kind of showing mm-hmm. how bumbly and, 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 and silly this guy is. So I think 
at best they're able to add some comedy at worst i think it does kind of overstuff this movie that already is dealing with so many things i will say though i do appreciate that the film is kind of blending these two kind of classic interpretations of what a zombie is because zombies originated being kind of from uh, like witchcraft and folklore and being like like voodoo ritual sort of things so i love mm-hmm. how this movie is kind of hearkening back to that and blending it with kind of how modern zombies are fast and zitty and pussy and infected and all of those kind of things so i think it has fun playing with both and i i I like it it's just a shame that it's in a already very very full movie and it's like okay Mm -hmm. less is more you know take it real pick a a lane (laughs) pick pick one you know (laughs) you you could say the way that they uh bridge uh the possession and zombie interpretations is a Kind of, kind of a uh, Evil Dead esque, which uh, Amber little was bit. on, hey. which Amber was on talking Evil Dead Rise. Go back and listen to that episode. Look at that. Yeah, um, nice. uh, <laughs> crazy segues today. <laughs> um, uh, I, I did want to uh, kind of touch a little bit more on that uh, we we mentioned earlier about the the lack of uh, involvement from the female characters. Like you know, they easily yes could have maybe taken some zombie stuff away to I don't know flesh out the wife's character a little <laughs> bit more to I don't know maybe give the mother in law a name. Uh, you know, like we, so it's like it, it, there is this interesting angle of like, and anytime we do see a female character, it's them just pleading to the man to do something. It's like, ah, just, Hey, I need you to do something. I need you to do something. Like somebody please do Mm -hmm. something. Um, and, and I don't know if it's like, maybe there's some sort of message that's like in a way that like, Hey, don't do that. Like, don't just rely on the men in your life. Like maybe you also need to try to do something to figure out what's happening in this, you know? Um, it, you know, the, I mean the, the, the mother-in-law, she's at least offering up ideas. She's like, Hey, hit up the, hit up the deacon, hit up the shaman. At least she's offering up some ideas. Um, but like there, there is, um, it's something interesting to where like, yeah, it does like kind of play in with, um, you know, whenever he um, initially sees the the woman in white, too, um, he's like instantly saying, hey, you tramp, like just like instantly just like and it's like, you know, like maybe if you would have uh, made a better first impression, she would have helped you a little bit better and been a little bit less vague, you know, in this whole thing to, to try and help you, um, you know, so I, there is something there, um, Amber, um, it, in the times that you've watched this, um, it was kind of been some of your interpretation on that. So I, th- I think in this small korean village that is how it would be um korea's approach to feminism is quite different than it is in the west and in some ways we might we might consider it um on different levels that maybe we think women are more, have a more equal standing in our cultures which of course is not always true um as we see mm-hmm. very frequently um but that's that probably is how it would go down in this small village is that you know the women would be considered um uh, not less important but their opinions on this very serious matter would probably be ignored and that's also a reflection on jong who as a character is he he wouldn't listen to his wife um because what would she know she's just a woman but what yeah. i do think interesting uh what i do think is interesting about this um is that korean the the type of korean shamanism that is shown in this film is called muism and generally not always but generally that's usually a space where women are kind of like in charge so obviously in christianity you you have priests and in other religions it's always men at the top but in uh, Muism, it's very often the shamans are women. So I'm wondering if the fact that Il Guang is a man 
is a warning sign, first of all, that we might not even pick up on as a Western that audience. That he's bullshit. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like he's he's a man, but I'm wondering if maybe a Korean person watching this would be like, oh, hang on, something's not right there. Um, and I do also think it's interesting that the one person who actually is in the right and trying to help and should be listened to the whole way through is a woman um, who doesn't have a name. Her name is Moomyoung, which literally means no name. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe there's a little comment there about how women are ignored in religious spaces and should be listened to more. Um, and then, of course, we have the other female character in the film who's the most important is Hyojin, who is, um, I forget how old she is, but she's definitely like prepubescent. She's on the cusp. And how many times in horror have we seen exorcism and possession used as a metaphor for female puberty? Like mm-hmm. countless times. Um, which also I think plays really interesting. You know, th- this film is like, shows Hyojin is terrifying she's the scariest thing (laughs) in this whole film you know when she's screaming bloody murder at her dad and her mom and they don't know what to do with her if you take the devil and the demon out of this that's just a little teenage girl like that's what we're like um so i do re i i mean i love her she's just oh what an actress that scene of her uh uh like foreshadowed really effectively by the way when uh he when the dad goes and visits the white woman and he asks about his daughter and she says uh, she's returned like she's home now cutting to her just scarfing down a whole fridge full of food is done with it and just looks over at the knife and then like cut it's like super super effective and, and really really scary but i love that the, how the film actually um does portray some of the few uh female characters that it has i think the the mother could uh, be given a bit more but i love the 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 mystery of of the white woman is that she's blurring this line between protection and fear and like this sort of maternal uh kind of like protector sort of figure uh and i think that the the distress that the audience feels is just a i I don't feel like we see a lot of women portrayed in this in this sort of way Mm -hmm. uh maybe like i don't know i think somebody could make an argument for like how noir films would kind of have this femme fatale sort of perspective i think this is sort of hearkening back to this you know trust distrust um sort of uh portrayal here um i don't know i'm still I, i i think it is a film that it requires a lot of chewing on, you know, uh, it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to exactly communicate. Cause I think that the film is doing, um, is doing a lot. I will say, uh, the reveal of the white woman, uh, in that entire scene goes hard as fuck. She just like steps out of the shadows, the shaman or the quote unquote shaman guy is just bleeding oh, buckets cute. out of his nose. And then, you know, she gives her a little warning and then he just starts like puking up, you know, gallons mm-hmm. of gallons of puke, like team America style. I was a huge fan of, that. <laughs> that's a that's a phenomenal scene like it mm-hmm. it looks so gross the the mixture disgusting. and color is just right and, right and it's like and just watching this guy you know finally like you know getting his for a minute because uh his character is so fascinating because i mean we we obviously learned that like by the end he's like he's like kind of in on it he's kind of bullshit is he always bullshit like from the beginning because like, i think so because how you guys so. just mentioned like it was it a warning sign that he's a man doing this form of shamanism to begin with is that already a red flag that he's I, bullshit so so I, what does the so what does that mean for the du- the dueling ritual scene then because that's that's the scene that i really wanted to talk about which is done fantastically and like 
Um, so we're you know seeing him do the the he- death hex, and it's cutting back and forth between the Japanese stranger uh, doing his ritual as well, and they're like battling rituals back and forth. So it's like if they're in on it, so then was that what he was doing? Was that all a show? Because I was kind of thinking that at certain points during the ritual, I was like, is he even actually doing anything real? But then it kind of looked like he was doing something. He was doing it to the daughter, but not to the devil. Correct. Yeah, I I think if anything, uh, what he's doing is probably not one doing anything or two mm-hmm. is in like conjunction with the other ceremony. You know, like I think it's very telling that he says like, you know, don't stop the ritual until it's over, which could easily just be like, you know, don't stop the ritual until your daughter is dead. Like no matter what she says, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to continue yeah. to do this. I love the idea that maybe this white woman is off in the forest doing her own ritual and it takes two of them to defeat her. You know, I think that that could be really, uh, really compelling. But to answer your question of like, was he always this way? I think so. I think um, the fact that he shows up and before he's like willing to help out he like makes sure he makes sure that the dad has the money for it that he's Mm -hmm. like that he's good for it which i think shows that he's not necessarily willing to do this out of like the goodness of his heart or because he's like you know cares about this girl to at at minimum this is a job for him you know and in this kind of i think calls into question his sort of uh, conviction or sincerity which obviously is proven um by the end of the film but i think he kind of gives off this I don't know, kind of charismatic used car salesman sort of vibe, mm-hmm. uh, which I think certainly is how a lot of like the devil is portrayed, uh, you know, in, in like modern fiction. But I love that he's kind of like the devil's, you know, sort of right hand man or, mm-hmm. you know, that he's sort of a, a red herring for this entire village. Yeah. And it's it's obviously not his first time doing it either. So who knows yeah. how long. Right this guy that, that i mean does this go yeah yeah exactly oh <laughs> like do they just travel i mean obviously the japanese man has been in Gogsung for quite some time mm-hmm. so i wonder was il guang always with him or does he just go around korea like looking for different demons and devils to team up with like yeah that would be interesting oh yeah that's interesting um i i don't know i guess it, to me i mean I feel like it's because the the Japanese stranger said he's a traveler, like you know, like he he has come into the town and he's like seems to be seemingly passing through just fishing and like whatever until he like moves on. So yeah, I think they kind of move in tandem together, and like you know, stranger comes in and he's like, okay, I found the village. Let's let me stir some things up, get it going. Yeah. Okay, now bring the shaman guy in, and mm-hmm. then you know, uh, because apparently. Uh, one of the deleted scenes uh, that was going to be at the end of the film was um, it was going to show uh, the, the the devil um, going up to a another family, um, like trying to like tempt them in a different village and then uh, is pulled away. Um, like uh, he's like goes after like a little girl and then like the family like pulls her away or whatever. And then um, as after they walk away, the um, shaman guy pulls up in a car and picks him up and then yeah. they, they drive away. So, yeah, so they're there. They, they got a thing. Um, yeah. it's some sort of agreement going on here. It's a good and- setup, too, because I guess the devil taking the form of a Japanese person who a lot of Korean people or Korean people in this film might be naturally distrustful of mm-hmm. pushes them towards Ilguang 
and it ends up going right into the trap. So I like that they've got this, mm. like you said, this little tandem mm-hmm. where they just travel around catching people in their little web of random evil, which makes it even scarier. This is called a hustle, folks. Uh, yeah. is, what they, is literally what they're doing. They're they're hustling souls out here. Well, I think it's, you know, it is really compelling that in this, that all they're trying to do in this village is like kind of so distressed and so fear uh, and uncertainty that they end up just kind of bringing in whoever to do some sort of ritual that's going to do something to save my daughter, you know, at a monetary cost, which I think is, you know, uh, certainly contributing to kind of this idea of, of fear and distrust. I really am compelled too by like the priest character in the film of him trying to kind of navigate this all as best that he can because he really feels like he's out of his depth. I feel mm. like his him being like a younger actor I think really helps uh, communicate that, that he is maybe a bit naive and that face-off with him and the devil towards the end of the movie I think is just so cool. It's just like mm. seeing the literal devil like transform ahead of him and just sort of like uh or in front of him and just sort of like kind of play with his food so to speak I, it's mm-hmm. just really unsettling the idea that it is the devil and that he actually has been going around these different towns and like collecting the you know this this book of photographs and souls so to speak like you guys had mentioned i think is is a lot scarier than this question of like i don't know who was in it uh, and how long have they been in it i just like that they're just like these traveling scammers that are just you know just collecting <laughs> as many souls as they can you know as i think it's yeah it's yeah it's yeah and it could be anyone <laughs> it could be you next it could be me no <laughs> hey, maybe they need to stir up some trouble in la Jeez. <laughs> yeah, go, go go to the go to the studios let's send them let's send them <laughs> uh, to the picket lines um uh, yeah it, i don't know i think with the the deacon i just kind of wish they did more with him i don't know if we would have got to know him a little bit more like i don't know like he everything just felt very on the nose with his character i feel like um so when we are having this like uh you know uh, back and forth during the finale um it was kind of like uh, it, it worked but also kind of didn't work for me just like the the kind of going back and forth between them is just like um and I guess like the, the the showdown is visually very interesting. Like you said, I do like uh, the the slow transformation of the devil and like the, this whole pondering of like really drawing it out. Like, yeah, who am I? Am I a ghost? Am I a human? What am I? Am I you know? And all these things and like because you really have been like jerked back and forth like so many times in the in the past like you know twenty minutes of the film, and mm-hmm. so it really does like kind of have you just like very like frustrated in that way. Um, I don't know. I, do, I guess maybe I just wish there was a better way to do it to where it wasn't like have this like a uh, back and forth. Um, because um, because like the the emotional payoff for um for uh Zhang Yu, you know, is so like you know I, I kind of wanted to feel that and you know like seep in it a little bit more versus like um the 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 kind of way that it unfolded. I don't know. Um, but what do you guys think about uh the the finale? I love it. Uh, <laughs> it really scares me because the one, like you said, for like twenty minutes before this, we have no idea where we stand. We're mm-hmm. like, who, who is lying here? And there's all these like biblical hints of like, you know, we know. Especially, it's especially interesting watching it from like a Western point of view because we know in like traditional christian mythology oh a woman in white that means we trust her but can Mm -hmm. we trust her because we've been told we can't trust her 
and you know we've got like the cockerel crowing three times which is famously a christian symbol of betrayal but we don't know whether we can trust that either so when we get to this mm. end point with the deacon we're like i literally i remember the first time i watched it, i was like i genuinely don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> and then his fingers start to turn into like claws and i was like no 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 please yeah. and then you know we we cut to jonghu going home and just blood everywhere and i literally was like my stomach like dropped out of my ass i was like i felt like i was there i was like this is horrible and i fell in love instantly because what i love about korean movies is they are not afraid to hit you with the most depressing ending you've ever had in your life and you know mm -hmm. there there is no brevity there's no levity there's no good ending there's no happy ending you're gonna sit and wallow and be sad and i love it yeah i mean i really also love the tragedy of it all and then also which kind of contributes to the tra tragedy of wondering how these characters and the decisions that they make ultimately kind of like led them to this point and at what point could you like reach through the screen and and, and stop them from making that decision that's kind of the allure of a tragedy you know is like maybe if i watch it this time it'll be different maybe they won't make that decision but of course they do which i think just makes it all the the sadder which i again think makes for a perfect title for this movie is mm. is the wailing is that you're just seeing these people just barreling towards this inevitability and this this uh horrifying ending um and the fact that the dad too like ends the film like cradling his daughter and essentially being like i kind of i forgive you for all of this i think makes it um mm -hmm. a lot sadder too that he's like no we can fix it i'll uh, dad'll make it better and all of these things it's just yeah it's it's uh, apart from being really horrifying it's just really uh kind of emotionally harrowing as well yeah it's such a powerful performance like they're you know kind of watching him go from uh you know kind of feeling nothing uh in his aloofness you know in the first third and then he becomes like extremely angry and like you know motivated and then by the end just like you know completely broken and shattered and like there's a yeah. there's a moment that he has whenever he like you know come goes in and like sees what happens and uh and he yells her name once and it's like out of anger like a oh my god what did you do but then he yells it a second time and then like in that second time it's just like the oh my god like come here like are you okay because that's still his daughter you know and like it was uh it's such a like really great little moment in uh in this you know crazy good performance yeah it's a bummer man <laughs> a lot of the, a the movies a that we've uh, been talking about this month it's a real fucking downer man <laughs> it wouldn't be a korean film unless a child or a father died or a yeah. mother or someone in the family died that's what that's what i'm gonna say yeah, yeah every I'm curious to see because uh, Tale of Two Sisters is one that was in my blind spot. All of these movies have been in uh, Devon's, but I'm curious to see if that also has like a super upsetting, tragic ending. I have a I'm feeling that it might. I'm not saying a goddamn thing. I'm <laughs> not saying a goddamn thing. All the listeners who have seen it are probably like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait, I'll wait to hear your thoughts on that one. Oh, we're 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 gonna fuck around and find out. Is uh, I think is what's gonna happen with this film. I'm I'm very intrigued because yeah, like this is the uh, second film in a row where we're left with uh, the bad dad his entire family is dead uh and his uh well i mean at least the host uh he you know he seems you know cozy and cozy in the shack uh this guy who who knows what uh what the rest of his life is gonna be if he's even Tough. gonna have one like who who knows well, do you think that he survives the end of this like you think he's still alive at the very end i mean i, I don't yeah, yeah i think I... he's i think he's toast man 
I don't know. I mean, I didn't see any. I didn't see any reason. Like all we're, you know, seeing as him sitting. I mean, he. he yeah. I don't know. Uh, again, like who knows, like you know, what this is gonna leave him like. You know, like I mean, either way, like you know, he is even if he you know is alive, he's pretty much de- dead. You know? Yeah. He's uh, dead either way. And, uh, very interesting. Um, the only uh, last thing before we get into our final thoughts was um um. Uh, with the pictures, what what do you guys make of the pictures? Because are they going for like a oh you know trapping you know a picture of somebody can have a soul or or something like that, or uh like what like what is it with the the collecting of it? Because they document um you know they whenever they you know find the shrine and stuff like they see before and after like pictures of them like before it happens to them and then after they've like been infected and all these things. So, so what, and, and the way that, you know, they, you know, uh, make it a point in the, the reveal as he's transform transforming into the devil, he's, he's still taking pictures with his like little claw hand, which was kind of hilarious. Um, you know, so, um, mm-hmm. to, to, to hit us with one more, a uh, little bit of dark comedy at the end. Um, so yeah. What do you guys make of uh, the, the photos? I think they're almost like trophies, like serial killer trophies, but I, al- I also think they have, um, for reasons that might people might know about shamanism i don't maybe they have a role in the ritual um because when the devil is doing his ritual at the same time as il guang he is focusing on the pictures so maybe they need the picture to like channel the bad juju or whatever but more than that i think it's just they like toying with their victims and like having this like this is the last thing anyone's ever going to see of you and no one's ever going to see you again. You're only going to exist in this horrible little picture of you crying, which I'm going to carry yeah. around in my weird box. Yeah, I think the devil's a theatrical bitch, man. I don't think that he <laughs> needs to, like, grab yeah. a photo in order to, like, you know, he's like, wait, let's take a selfie. I got to, you know, I think he's genuinely just like, I want to remember this, that I want to, like, have, like, a little uh, keepsake. I mean, if you look at, like, it, when that scene where he opens up the hatch and all of the, the, the pictures fall out of the car... There's also like a Buddha statue back there. And I just love the idea that this guy is just going around just collecting knickknacks and just like, you know, like practically like postcards from where they're traveling. I think that that's a lot scarier whether or not he like needs them or not. I don't know. I think that that's not as intimidating that the devil like has to get a photo of this. Uh, I do like the idea that he's just like, well, I don't want to forget, you know, I put a lot of work into this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think it is just, uh, just for, yeah, uh, self-preservation in, in a way. And I, I like the way that Amber described it. I was like, yeah, no one else is going to get to, you know, remember you, but I will like, it's yeah, just I mean, like, it's, yeah. When it's he like, why you? Picture, God, I hate you. <laughs> you know? He has yeah. like this horrible little grin on his face. Oh and, yeah. You know, that little flash and the deacon's like crying and this I devil feel like was really zesty he, he really he was is. he is it and you know really the first time i saw it like this goes back to this black humor thing i almost laughed a little bit because i was like he looks so stereotypical how you'd imagine a, a christian devil like he's literally yeah. got horns and red eyes and he's got a camera that should be hilarious and it kind <laughs> and of is a laugh He's like, <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like <laughs> giggling, but he's it's so. And I think Jun Kunimura is such a sinister. I'm sure he's a lovely man, but he's got a really sinister vibe to him. Yeah. Um, that makes the performance. He's a scary motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I mean the fact that he's also so subdued throughout so much of the film, and that he's just like enduring all of this with pretty much a straight face, like mm-hmm. him kind of 
I don't know, letting his hair down at the end of the film and just like, oh, finally I can stretch in my, <laughs> my horns out. Like that is just like, yeah, the, the, the joy and the glee, especially in that laugh, that cackle that he has. It's yeah. It's seeing him just sort of revel and like, oh, my plans are coming together. This is great. I'm, I'm having an awesome time. Meanwhile, the, the rest of this village is like blood soaked and tear soaked and dead or crying, you know? <laughs> yeah. Goddamn. He, he, he won again, like undefeated, uh, this devil. <laughs> apparently uh by by the numerous amount of photos so um i think uh that'll be nice for our uh rating for this film out of uh out of five photographs uh amber go ahead and give us uh, your final thoughts oh i love this film i'm i'm gonna give it a five i'm feeling in a very good mood today hey. um yeah it's it's it could you know i could i could stand to lose a bit of the zombies but it, not to a point where it loses a point or half a star i like i love it it's a horrible film it's got great performances it's gory <laughs> it's scary and it sticks with you like what more can you ask for I think that should be your new Twitter bio. It's a horrible film. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that that's our that's our brand around here. I love it. I, yeah. I love it. I'm in a you know I I mentioned kind of my my thoughts on this the first time that I had watched it and seeing how much this movie had grown on me the second time. I'm honestly curious curious to kind of revisit it a third time to see if there's even more uh, that I could enjoy from it. As of right now. Um, I think the Indian packs so much of a punch that it kind of erases some of the issues that are have, or maybe not erases, but, you know, uh, uh, kind of casts a shadow over them because that Indian is just th those last like 34, 40 minutes of this movie are just such a wallop um, that I think it really forgives some of those um, how, how stuffed and how uh, like, especially towards the front end, like uh, loaded this movie is. Um, I think that stuff kind of paired with some of the, um, the, the fact that the movie is so long, but leaves some other things left out on the table, it's this weird kind of you're doing too much, but also not doing enough. Uh, it's it's this weird kind of dichotomy happening here. But I still really enjoy the film. I think it's effective as hell, creepy as hell, memorable as hell. I think all the performances are really excellent. I think it's a great looking movie. I love the the setting of this and how this village is kind of uh set next to this very forest woodsy mountainous sort of location like it's surrounding this entire village i think that that's really great um i yeah i love seeing these the the, the journey that these characters go on and the mystery kind of at the, the heart of this film which uh on rewatch is just you kind of pick up crumbs and pieces and morsels kind of giving you uh, uh, just a richer experience all around. So I'm excited to rewatch it again, even considering this movie is uh, two and a half hours long. Uh, but for me right now, I'm a four out of five photographs. Nice. Um, you guys, yeah, yeah, you guys talked me into it. Um, talked me into <laughs> a, talked me into a four. I was on, Woo! I was on the fence between a three point five and a four. Um, nice. but uh, but uh, you guys talked me into it, and I, and I am excited to uh, revisit this. And, you know, like kind of. Uh, uh, being able to pick up on uh, some of the clues but I mean uh, I like just a lot of the things about this film uh, again like uh, the, the small town drama and familial angle of it and like really just like kind of watching how this uh, you know demon uh, how this devil just like infects this town and the the ripple effects that it has and the way that it you know changes people and like kind of makes you question you know um, it, you know every single decision you make like is it is there right or wrong decision and do those decisions even matter uh in, mm -hmm. in the whole scheme of it you know it's uh it's all very fascinating it's all very upsetting uh it looks very good um it's very um 
Uh, I like the way that uses its, uh, its sound design. Like, this is a pretty quiet film, but then it, like, kind of has these just, like, bursts of just, mm. like, you know, very loudness, whether it is, you know, people panicking and just crying for their loved ones, or it's, like, this, you know, the 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 ritual, uh, the dueling ritual is such a fun scene. I think that was, like, uh, any time um, you put screams on a beat to a drum beat, uh, I, I'm a sucker for that. I absolutely, I was like, yes. I was like, this film, we're doing well, it. Excellent uh, point, Devon. The drummers, are they in on it too? Were they, are they just local drummers that have yeah. like, I've got a couple of bongos, I can help out. Like, are, are they part of the team as well? <laughs> I hope not. I hope they're I hope they're just, you know, out there um, trying to, you know, get their bag. And, and uh, they, they, you know, <laughs> that's the drummers out. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm sitting at a, I'm sitting at a nice uh, four out of five uh, photographs. And uh, intrigued to see if it does go up, but uh, I had a uh, really good time with this. But uh, let's see what other movies we were thinking about while we were discussing The Wailing. Alrighty, here on Spectre Cinema Club, we like to conclude our little episode here by playing movie math. Uh, everybody is here. Uh, everybody here has played the game. Uh, so, Amber, what is in your mathematical movie equation? All right, you guys know I'm crap at maths, so the, the actual like maths bit of it doesn't mean anything to me because I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> but I thought this film to me is the medium, um, which we did mention a bit earlier, is a Thai film which was written by Na Hong Jin, which has a lot of similar um, faith crisis and combination of christianity and traditional folklore so i'm going to go mm -hmm. the medium times multiplied by memories of murder because i think memories of murder has that south korean um incompetent police crime drama that we see um towards the beginning of the wailing so the medium times memories of murder divided by I don't know if you guys have seen this. Kingdom. Have you seen Kingdom? It I don't think so. It's a South Korean it's a net it's a show. I don't know if that's cheating. It's a show. It's a South Korean um horror drama and it's set in like the Joseon dynasty, so like um like ancient Korea. It's really creepy, it's really good, and a lot of the zombie stuff reminds me of Kingdom. Mm. Um definitely mm -hmm. give it a watch. And then my last one, my plus at the end is wreck um, because of the whole religion as infection thing, which, oh, yeah. yeah, I think wreck and wreck two really do that. Like literally turning the devil into a virus, um, which is kind of what the whole body horror and lesion thing is. So, yeah, so I'm going to go the medium times memories of murder divided by kingdom plus wreck equals the wailing yeah i definitely agree with the uh, the medium uh, recommendation the fact that you know this director produced that i think yeah that would make a really great uh, double feature just a bummer of a double feature just a real downer <laughs> if, you're feel if you want to feel like shit um in my equation i'm keeping it pretty simple i feel like it's a little self-explanatory um but i have the exorcist uh for uh, obvious reasons um, uh, also a film that deals with uh, femininity, femininity as well as uh, religion and sort of through uh, a, a lens of one another multiplied uh, by prisoners. Um, there's also like a mystery at the center of that movie, wondering who to trust, 
this father maybe targeting the wrong person or the right person uh, in order to kind of save their daughter um, also has a pretty bleak ending as well. I have that raised to the power of memories uh, of a murder uh, because of kind of that small town um, beat cop investigate, uh, you know, lazy in- investigatory, uh, you know, police procedural kind of uh, at the center of it all and this sort of evil descending on this uh, kind of small town uh, village here so yeah exorcist times prisoners raised to the power of uh, memories of a murder yeah I, I i saw your equation and i was like damn and that's another one that just kind of would have just taken for myself um but especially because uh, the prisoners was a nice pull in that like little middle section whenever like he is just like on an angry rampage you know and yeah. like you know going after him and uh the, yeah yeah i i totally totally saw that um uh, those parallels. Uh, I went with another exorcism film, um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, um, which I love mm. this film because it, you know, takes, it blends these two unlikely subgenres of a possession film with a courtroom drama. Uh, who thought that would be fun? Um, I mean, it's not fun, but it is a very great film. Um, and it does kind of play into, you know, this belief and like, um, you know, is it, you know, did he, you know, him acting out of faith, was this okay, or does it, you know, lead to uh, the, or is it murder, you know, what he did, and how it resulted in all these things, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to convince a, a jury of that is, you know, very fascinating, and like, whenever it's like, uh, it can be both, uh, you know, question mark, and, you know, that's kind of uh, what we're dealing with here in this film, um, which I find uh, kind of interesting, and um, just uh, the, having the juxtaposition. Um, I have that divided by um, Empedagor, which is oh, a oh um, yeah 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 in, it's an Indonesian film. Uh, you want to talk about a bummer of Ooh, a movie? Yeah. God damn, this thing sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's like <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great film, um, and uh, it's like it because you have this uh this woman who is drawn back uh drawn to this small village town uh where she's originally from, but she's like been adopted and she didn't know like where her like family came from. Uh, so she's drawn to this town for reasons, but then um, they believe her, you know, arrival to the village. It's all these bad things start happening, and but you know, you learn that's uh, uh through all this uh you know town lore and like their own like kind of uh folklore angle things as to like why these things are happening and uh whose decisions are actually impacting the things around them and of what's really happening, um, who to trust. Uh, in these kind of situations as well, you know, in the way that these kind of smaller towns uh, kind of function uh, in their community. And uh, and so it's like kind of a, it's an inverse of it. So that's why I'm like a divine it here, but then also just like a, a similar meanness, uh, similar uh, visual aesthetic to it. And uh, again, that movie is a bummer. So if you haven't seen it and you love a, a real bad time, uh, definitely check out Impedagore. <laughs> yeah, I just added it to my uh, letterboxed watch list. As somebody who likes to feel like shit, I'm really looking forward to watching <laughs> it and just being like, that was a bummer. Uh, though, thanks. What did you say? It's a horrible movie. I loved it. <laughs> oh, you will. Oh, you will <laughs> have a horrible time. Um, but uh, we did not have a horrible time here. Uh, loved having you back, Amber, uh, for this episode and uh, lending out uh, your expertise you. uh, in uh, South Korean horror. Uh, very much appreciate it. Um, what are you working on right now? Where can the people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter if we're still over there, um, and Instagram <laughs> at Hornblood Fire. Um, you can see I do the daily news on Fangoria. If you want to buy the latest Fangoria, um, I have a cover story w- uh, where I interviewed the VHS 85 crew. 
Um, you can check out my work on Ghouls Magazine and the Arrow blog. And yeah, just hanging out on the internet, having fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, love that uh, you are so, so busy, uh, you know, because I, I want more of the podcast, of course, but I'm glad it's <laughs> <One> because, <day. laughs> but I'm glad it's because you are too busy doing all this uh, writing and uh, all the things that you're doing. It's uh, fantastic. So uh, guys, just uh, go back and uh, listen to uh, me and Amber's episode uh, talking uh, about excision on her yes. podcast over there. Yes, uh, yes. I thought that was a really fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. it um, Garrett, uh, what are you working on right now? Where are you at? Well, it's hard not to sound uh, pretty lazy compared to uh, Amber, but you guys can also find me over on uh, Twitter as well as TikTok uh, at Garrett McDowell, uh, hoping to do some uh, Halloween TikToks and some recommendations and some rankings and all that kind of stuff. I think uh, Devon and I are going to try to take a, a more sizable bite out of some TikTok content, so I uh, look forward to that. Um, I also have another podcast. It's a Star Wars podcast called Scum and Villainy, and we are talking all things Ahsoka. There's actually a new episode tonight, uh, the night of recording, so uh, we would love to uh, have you on over there as well. Yes, uh, I got sucked in, guys. I'm, I'm 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 full in doing the TikToks. I'm doing them every day now. Yeah, so we're we're coming. We're get, we got a lot coming to you. Uh, over there, so make sure you are following uh, that at Spectre Cinema. Uh, you can find me at underscore Daddy Disco across all platforms. Uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, all those things. Uh, you can hear me over on uh, the Pod and Pendulum podcast as uh, we're making our way through Saw City. Um, I have been on the episodes for two and three. Uh, three being my favorite of the Saw franchise. Um, but um, you know, in, until Saw X, who knows? Who knows, we might have a new top favorite, but um, you can uh, go listen to those episodes. I'll also be on there for uh, Saw 5, which I think will be coming out uh, later on this weekend. Uh, so uh, make sure you guys are uh, following that podcast. We have a really good time over there. But now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, 